0: Things that are going on in your own life, let me ask you this question Does being a Christian make a difference? If that question were asked of the Hebrew Christians of the first century, I think their answer would be Oh, yeah, it has made a difference. You see, when they became Christian, they faced a lot of persecution. Confiscation of their property, imprisonment, torture, death. And because it was such a change, because being a Christian made their life so different, they were ready to abandon it all. And to just go back to their old ways where they felt safe and secure. The writer of that letter is trying to assure them that Jesus is their only hope. But let's let's make this a little more personal. Let's talk about people's personal lives today. If you were to ask them, does being a Christian make your life different? Some might say, I don't know, I don't think so. I'm not seeing it because I, I have the same troubles and the same suffering that many other people have who aren't Christian. So if God is all-loving and God is all-powerful, then why is my life no different than the guy who doesn't believe in God? Or maybe somebody who's come to believe in the Lord, maybe they've had a big change in their life, and maybe they say, yeah, my life is different. There's a lot of rules now that I have to follow, a lot of different ways in which Christians live that I'm not used to. I, I have to abandon my old ways. And that's sometimes hard. I don't know that I can do it and you might ask some people if being a Christian makes a difference in their life and their answer might be yeah because I have I have hope I have joy even though I have those sufferings and troubles and I have peace with my God but let's make this even more personal today if you don't mind does being a Christian make a difference for you? Do you know what, how your life is different? Do you know how God works in your life? Do you know his grace and his blessings? Or do you have questions? What is it that should be different? How will I experience this? How will I know? In this month in which we celebrate Thanksgiving, I've decided that we're going to talk about thankfulness all month long. And today, even though we have all these problems going on, and again, even more in our own personal lives, we do have something to be thankful for. And that is God's promises. Today, let's focus on why and how we can be thankful because of those promises. We're going to use a a passage that's found at the end of that letter that was written to those Hebrew Christians who were suffering, who were persecuted because Christianity made a difference in their life. It's a, a wonderful prayer of encouragement about God's promises. From Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace people are looking for a sense of confidence in their life, they look at their bank account. (laughs) They look at their checkbook. They look at their earthly possessions. And that's how they'll decide if their life is good and if it's set for the future. Well, why is it that we put so much hope or confidence in those pieces of paper? Well, maybe because we know they are probably backed up by gold, right? Well, why is gold something that sounds so confident and hope-giving? Well, in one regard, it's kind of rare. I mean, you don't just find it laying around like you do dirt and leaves. But yet, it's not so rare that you can never find it. It's not something that easily goes away, either. I mean, you uh, you can't dissolve it in water. You, you can't, it's not a gas so that it simply dissipates into thin air and is gone. I mean, there's some, some stability there with gold. And so people kind of put their confidence in that. But we know that money, gold, isn't really what can solve our problems and help us. But somebody's word, that can. God's word, God's promises. And that's what that writer was pointing us to. That we can have certainty of life with God because of his promises. Because his promises give us that certainty of salvation. When he was writing these words, he he used a key word. He talked about God's covenant. Now, we don't use that word covenant too often, although we do a lot of what a covenant is all about. It's about an agreement that's made between people. Uh, Today we'll do things like a contract, right? You do this, then you get this, or I'll do that. But God's covenant is quite a bit different than the covenants, than the agreements that we work on. Let me take you back to the early times in Genesis when God reveals his covenant and what that covenant really means. We're going to go back to the time of Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation. And that through his nation, all nations of the earth would be blessed. So that was considered the messianic promise. Because how else could one person bring a blessing to all the world. Other than that, it would be the Savior. But Abraham was a little confused because he's 90 years old and he doesn't have a kid. And so he asked the Lord, how can I be the father of a great nation when I'm childless? And he says, Abraham, come here. I want to show you something. So he takes him outside and he says, look up in the sky and count all of those stars, if indeed you could count them. And he said, So shall your offspring be. Uncountable. And we're told then that Abraham simply believed what the Lord said. And the Lord credited that to him as righteousness. By his faith, Abraham was made right with God. But then Abraham had another question. He said, okay, Lord, you said I am going to possess this land I'm living in now. But as I look around, I see all these other people living here. How can I put up a sign that says, home, sweet home, when it's not my property? And the Lord said, I will give you this land. And then he tells Abraham to get a heifer, a goat, and a couple of birds. And he tells them, Him to do something that was at that time their custom for making a contract, an agreement, a covenant. He said, I want you to cut them in half. Now that sounds pretty gross (laughs) and pretty uh, disturbing, right? But the thing was this. They would cut those animals in half. They would make their verbal agreement with each other. And then each party would walk in between those animal parts Basically saying, if I don't do what I said I was going to do, you can do this to me. And then God had Abraham go to sleep. And during that sleep, he gave him a vision in which Abraham saw this flaming torch and a a pot full of smoke pass in between the animal parts. And then God woke Abraham up and he said, I'm going to keep my covenant with you. Now, what God was doing there was simply giving Abraham a guarantee. God's covenant is different than our covenants. You can be as honest and sincere as you want about making a promise to do something. But sometimes things happen and we aren't able to keep the promise. Or sometimes we change our mind and don't want to do it anymore. We know what guarantees are. We buy something, right? And it comes with a guarantee. Oh, this will be good for so many years, right? A lot of guarantees we get are limited. Well, it's limited to this part of the car or it's limited to this many miles. It's not a wide open, covering everything type of guarantee. And in fact, when a guarantee is given, it's kind of saying, you know, something might go wrong, but we'll cover it if it does. They're admitting something could go wrong. And we as consumers know, this may not work, it's maybe too good to be true. But that's not true with God's covenant. He called it, his everlasting, his eternal covenant. In other words, there's no time limitation. There's no restrictions on it. There's no qualifications or conditions to it. It's wide open because it's backed up by God. Now, how do you and I know that? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, how God guarantees his promise to us. He said, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. God gave you himself. God gave you his spirit to give you faith, trust in his promises. In other words, God's covenant is all enacted by grace. Whoops, uh, there we go. By grace. Grace is simply saying it's all done by God. There's no condition On our part. And that was emphasized in that vision that Abraham had. When he cut those animal parts and laid them aside and then fell asleep, only that blazing torch and that smoking pot went between those animal parts. That smoke and that fire were always in the Old Testament a symbol of God. God is the only one who walked between there because God was the only one who could and who did perform the covenant. Abraham never walked through those animal parts. We call that a a unilateral, a one-sided covenant where it's just one person making the agreement. It'd be like me saying to you, you know, a normal relationship would be, well, if you would go cut my lawn, I'll give you $10. See, nobody takes me up on it. (laughs) But according to the way God works, it'd be like this. I will cut my lawn, and I'll give each of you $10. I know what's going to happen after church. You're all going to be standing out there. That's what God's covenant was. He's going to do it all, and he's going to give us the result. That's grace. And that's how God's covenant works with us. So let me ask you this question. Is your life different because you're a Christian? Does Christianity make a difference in your life? You know, our human nature says you got to do if you want something. If you want something, you got to earn it. If you want something, you've got to work for it. You want a, a better career. You want a different job. You want a raise. You want this thing from the store. you got to work. You've got to buy it. you got to do it. That's human nature. And in fact, all other religions teach if you want something from whatever God it is, if you want eternal life, then you've got to do, do, do. But the message of the Bible is it's all done. All done by God. And that's the certainty that you and I have Of all the promises of God, they're all backed up because he is going to do them. And that's what that writer was saying when he said, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. He's pointing us to the reason why we can have absolute certainty in the promises of God. It's because of Jesus It's because of that great shepherd of the sheep, the one who came here to take care of us by living for us perfectly to give us the righteousness we need. He's the one who gave up his life, protecting us from the devil and from death. He's the one who rose again from the dead to give us that same assurance of a resurrection It's because of Jesus that all of the promises of God are yes. He's our certainty. But God wants you to have certainty now. And so along with that promise, he also gives us his gifts. He said, may the God of peace. God gives us peace. He is the source and the distributor of peace. So if you want some peace, you want some certainty in your life, don't be looking inside. Don't be looking around you. Just look to God. It's like this. If there was a terrible storm outside right now, a lot of you know, wind blowing and, and rain coming down, for which we'd be thankful, but a terrible storm, we'd be safe in here because we're out of the storm, even though it's all howling around us. And the same is true in life. Even though there's a lot of terrible things going on all around us, we find our shelter and our peace in God and his promises. And the assurance of that is that purification. He said, who by the blood of the covenant, he reminds us that it's the blood of Jesus that purifies us, that makes us right, that makes us safe with God. You know, every day we just keep piling up our sins, don't we? Every day, the same ones over and over, sin after sin, it's a big pile. But every day, God removes it. He purifies us with the blood of Jesus. And with that, we also have the provision that we need. Every need is taken care of because of that shepherd who guides us, who leads us, provides for us who protects us so the doubts we might have the the fears the questions the feeling that my life is going nowhere it's empty I have no purpose all of that is taken away when you look at Jesus and you know what he's done for you and what he promises to do for you so does being a Christian make a difference in your life yes Because of Christ. Because of Jesus, we're forgiven every day. Because of Jesus, we are blessed every day. On the news the other day when they were interviewing some of the people who were um, witnesses to that terrible shooting in that nightclub in Southern California. They were talking to one young man and he said, well, I've learned this one thing. That life is short And therefore, I need to live it full right now to get all the enjoyment I can because I never know when it's going to end. And I thought, young man, you didn't learn the lesson. (laughs) Life is short. And you don't know when it's going to end. But it's not about what we have here. It's about a longer life, an eternal life. It's knowing that we're not just here to live for the moment. We can live forever. And so the Christian faith makes a difference in our life because it changes our perspective on life. We see this as our time of grace, our time to come to know God, our time for others to know God. So let me ask that question again. We know that Christianity can make a difference In people's lives, does it make a difference for you? Do you know Christ? Do you know his grace? Do you see and experience it every day? Because you are forgiven and you are blessed. You have a future because of and with God. You simply need to trust his promise now with that trust God also gives us his spirit to work in our lives let's see how that prayer of encouragement teaches us that look at the yellow words there now may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's simply telling us that God is going to work in your life to equip you. That word in the original language meant to make you complete. The background of the word meant that something was broken and needs to be repaired. Something was lost or separated and it needs to be restored. And so it's made complete again in Christ. But more than that then, it meant you were now fitted, you were outfitted, you were equipped with what God has given you so that you can do his will. It's like if you were a policeman or a firefighter or a soldier who is sent into battle You are given the equipment that you need to protect yourself and to fight whatever it is you're supposed to fight. God has given us what we need to protect ourselves and to fight the battle. What has he given us? The Apostle Paul said Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. What did he mean by that? These are all people who bring us God's Word. God has equipped us with His Word. That's what protects us. That's what equips us so that we can do His will, His will to obey His commands, to be helpful to others, to forgive others, to have hope, to rejoice in Him, to worship Him, to serve Him. That's God's will. And He has given us what we need to do it His Word. His word guides us, his word moves us, so that we will glorify and serve him. You see, it's not about us. If if you're looking for some motivation, you know, what can can move me to make my life better? What can move me to make a, a person who loves and serves God? Don't look inside as if there's something that can get you going, rather look at Christ. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, and so I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life, I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. God has equipped us so that we can protect ourselves. God has equipped us so that we can serve others. God has equipped us so that we bring Him glory. Being a Christian does make a difference. And the reason it makes a difference is because Christ makes the difference. Our life Mm -hmm. and the world will be filled with hurt, will be filled with heartache. But when there's Christ, you have. The last word in this prayer was the word amen, which we always kind of think it means it's over. Years ago, in one of my churches, there was a little boy about four or five years old, and at the end of the sermon when I said amen, he looked at his grandma and said, can we go home now? Because he thought it was over. (laughs) But the word amen doesn't mean it's over. It means it's never failing. It's not ending. It's true and lasts forever. God's promises never fail. Amen. Amen. And amen. It's the end of the message.